Hello, this is Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian, host of the Badass Women's Council podcast. And it is a new decade, y'all. Can you believe it? I hope by now you have gone to download a PDF that I designed called Dream the Decade that walks you through step by step to think about what you've already accomplished and what is the life that you really want to live over the next 10 years, which is a timely topic for our guest today, Eliza Kingsford. Eliza has a book called Brain Powered Weight Loss, and she is a certified personal uh, therapist. She's got an extensive background. She's been on CNN, Dr. Oz, WebMD, Dr. Phil, LA Times, Health Magazine. My gosh, she's just too legit. I met Eliza at a conference in New York City a few weeks ago, and we were blessed to sit at the same table. And I really just love spending time with her and said, hey, come be on the podcast. And especially for January, because we're going to talk about the BS of New Year's resolutions, partly as it relates to weight loss, because that's Eliza's specialty area. But what she's going to share with, with you all today is applicable to any kinds of changes or habits that you want to make or break in your life. So here we go. Hey, Eliza, how are you? Hi, Rebecca. I'm so glad we're doing this. Me too. I can't believe here we are. It's a new year. Here we are. It's a new year. It's a new decade, right? It is a new decade. I'm so excited about that. As a matter of fact, before I even introduce you, I've been doing decade dreaming every day Ooh. as part of my journaling. Love. It's amazing. Okay. We can, can, can I hear more? Well, Will you tell me what that is? Should yeah. I be doing that? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we'll, we'll record another episode after we talk about what we said we were going to talk about. So <laughs> we met in New York City at a conference a few weeks ago, and we're lucky enough to sit at a table together. Actually, I don't believe in luck, but God put us at this table together. That's right. Yeah. It was amazing. And so we're going to kick off the new year with the topic that is all over radio, TV, all the things, which is New, year, re- new Year's resolutions, which always have at the top of the list weight, loss mm. of weight, yeah. new, new me, new whatever. And we <laughs> collectively think it's bullshit, right? Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we definitely do. Before you give your take on that, give, a, give us a little introduction of you and your background and, and why you are specially um, able to have this conversation about why it's bullshit. Yeah. Um, So I am a licensed therapist, uh, but I practice mostly energy psychology these days. Um, And and I, I was telling you this earlier, but I have seen thousands of clients over the years. And my issue with traditional talk therapy is that it keeps people stuck in the same beliefs, the same patterns, the same stories over and over again, oftentimes, right? Um, that's not to say there's not some incredible work going on in the therapeutic community. Don't get me wrong. I hold my license for a reason. 
Um, but I have worked with thousands of people over the past 12 years. I've run two different companies, um, treating quite literally over 10,000 patients over the past um, 12 years. Uh, and I saw these continual patterns emerge over and over again um, of, of being stuck in the same patterns of behavior, especially when it comes to weight and body image. So I mostly have treated people struggling with overweight, obesity, people who are trying to lose weight or maintain weight, or who really just struggled with a negative body image and disordered eating. Um, and the same patterns emerge over and over again. And most of these people come January 1 or within a week before set new goals and patterns for themselves year after year after year. And certainly we know, you know, the success rate with those years resolutions. And I think that's why we're here wanting to yeah. debunk those myths and figure out what to do instead, right? Right. Because we both believe very much that people should want a healthy life for the mm -hmm. reason to have the energy to do the passionate work that you want to do and to invest in your relationships. I'm, I want to, I want to live healthy until the last yeah. day. Yeah. So I know that we absolutely believe in good health, but this idea of starting the new year with, with all kinds of goals that just in some ways can leave you feeling worse mid-January than when you started. Sure. Yeah. Because you feel like a failure. Right. And I think, you know, something that's really important to me that I'm really passionate about is, and you started saying it is, is health. And, and sometimes I get a lot of flack for working with people who are, who have the desire to lose weight. Right. Because, you know, there's this concept right now that's very popular. We're all supposed to have health at every size and positive body image and all this stuff. After working with so many people for so many years, what I can say confidently is that there are a lot of people, and I'm not going to make a blanket statement and say everybody, there are a lot of people who are living miserably in their current body, right? right. And they don't feel comfortable in their skin and they don't feel comfortable in their clothes. And for whatever their reasons are, they feel like if their shape or their size were different, that it would help them to feel more comfortable and confident in their body. And it's not my job to tell them to not want to lose weight. Mm -hmm. It is my job to help them feel comfortable and confident in their body, whatever that means. And for some people, it will mean shedding pounds. And for some people, it will mean creating a totally different mindset and being happy exactly where they are. But it's not my job um, or my desire really to tell people to feel differently than they do in that moment, right? Amen. Amen. And and there absolutely is something to the fact that when you are overweight, whatever that means, the energy that you gain by losing pounds, you know, you just, I, I have some, some clients that are going through some experience with, with uh, some other women that we've been doing for the last year and health coaching is a part of that. And one of the women, I mean, she looks great. It has nothing to do with ego or vanity, but she yep. said, I've lost a few pounds and I have so much more energy that I don't right. have that dip at four o'clock. And, and the benefit to her and others is that they go home after working all day and they've got energy for their family. She's got young kids. Yeah. She wants right. to be able to do great things in the evening and, and not be cranky because she's tired. So there's, there's great upside um, to just that's having right. energy in that way. Yeah, that's right. And I think this conversation is really integral to the one we're about to have about um, New Year's resolutions. They play together. Uh, but the, the point being that there's this assumption that you know, weight loss is about vanity or the number on the scale or, or things like that. And, and in reality, if you talk to any of my clients, the number on the scale tends to be the next to the last thing that they're worried about. It's about 
confidence and how I feel and the way I know I'm treating myself and my body hurts and I can't do this and I can't do that. I have all these limitations. And those are the things that I want to lift for people, right? Yeah. And so that, that is irrelevant to what size you are because all of us experience that. There's, there's a certain place that I get to where I realize, oh, I'm not going to be confident on stage Absolutely. for that keynote speech. And I'm going to be yes. a little bitch in my head as we, you know, as one of our friends here on yep. the show, we put yep. a passenger seat with a seatbelt and a snack because she tells us things that aren't really true. But when I'm feeling that way physically, I don't show up as my best self. I don't show yep. up to confidently em- emote what I need to for an audience. So it's, yep. it impacts me for sure. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So if we're not um, buying into the, you know, BS of New Year's resolutions, what should we be doing? January 2020, new decade. Yeah. New decade. I love that. Um, So here's the thing. First, sort of breaking down what I see um, as the major roadblock for people. So people will say, um, people will start to feel this discomfort as we've been describing for whatever reason. uh, And they'll say, in order to help this discomfort, I'm going to lose X amount of pounds, right? And that ends up becoming their goal. I want to lose weight, okay? And they figure out a plan or a new diet or a new system or a new workout or a new gym, gym membership or whatever, all with the goal of losing weight. And while you may think, well, yeah, you pick a goal, you find the things that are going to get you to that goal, what's the problem? The problem is that they don't take into to account any of a the reasons why they haven't been able to lose weight in the past or how they got to where they are to begin with they bypass all of that data and information right and then they also don't work from the end in mind right so if you are thinking of yourself as i am a person who is trying to lose 50 pounds you are always going to be a person who is trying to lose 50 pounds. That is your identity. That is who you are. Mm-hmm. For what I see as most effective for people is to, and you actually, you mentioned it at the very beginning of this podcast is what I anticipate you might be doing is looking at your vision for what you are becoming, right? Or what you want to see or where you're going or what the end result looks like. And you work backwards from there. So if you inadvertently focus on the thing you want to lose, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. I'm going to lose 50 pounds. I'm going to lose 50 pounds. All you do is focus on losing the 50 pounds. If you instead focus on the person that you are becoming, what does that person look like? What does that person feel like? What does that person do? How does that person get dressed in the morning? How do they walk on stage in their clothes? What kind of dress are they wearing? Whatever it is, then that is the person you are going to be working from. And that is, those are the, and when you work from that vision first, then you start to pull in the thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that get you closer to that vision. The biggest mistake people make is that they work from where they don't want to be, right? So I want to lose 50 pounds. I don't want to be 50 pounds heavier. I don't want to be 50 pounds heavier. All you're going to do is get yourself closer to that thing that you keep thinking about. Right? And you use those words and that language over and over again, which keeps telling your brain, we need to lose 50 pounds. We need to lose 50 pounds. We need to lose Correct. 50 pounds. Correct. What I really love about this is even though we didn't talk about it in the short time that we had gotten to know each other, I spent um, a couple of decades with the Franklin Covey organization. So habit mm. two is begin with the end in mind. So I taught these habits in corporate America for years. It applies to every aspect of our life. It's yeah. not just about weight loss. It's anything that you want. Yeah. 
So you're exactly right. My decade of dreaming or dreaming my decade, I guess I should say, um, my entire journal is about how do I, how do I feel? Who am I with? What am I, what am I doing? And I'm putting myself in that place and it's the most joyful space to create for yourself when you get out of that day-to-day treadmill of tasks and busy and dream again. Like that's where change yeah. starts. Yeah. And it also primes your brain, as you already know, to say, oh, this is what we're doing. This is who we are. This is how we feel. This is, this is what's happening in our lives. Rather than again, focusing all the things that you don't want to happen or you want to go away or, you know, we make the mistake of, uh, you know, we have good intentions of saying, oh, well, I'm going to lose this weight and I'm going to say goodbye to it, but we focus on it and that's what we get more of, right? What you focus on, you create more of. It's all very cliche, but it's, it's true. It's true. It's true. And we, and we do it so often we didn't even know we're doing it. Right. So it's probably making sense to your listeners going, Oh yeah. Well, how would I ever lose weight if I keep focusing on losing weight? No, you focus on, you already said it. Who are you? What do you feel like? What's in your life? When you're, when that hurdle is behind you, what does your life actually look like? And I'll tell you so many people have a really hard time knowing what that looks like. Because their entire focus up until now has been focusing on the thing they don't want to have. I don't want this weight. I don't want this weight. I don't want this weight. And I say, well, what does it look like when it's gone? Oh, I don't know. I have to lose it first to figure it out. You're never going to lose it if you keep putting that thing in front of you, right? So there's that piece. But then there's also this... um, So I I mentioned earlier, you're skipping all the data of of how you got here to begin with, right? So people will say, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. I'm going to go to the gym, sign up. Awesome. And then I'll say, great. How many times did you get to the gym last month? Oh, I haven't, I haven't gone to the gym yet. Okay. So you, you believe that you're going to suddenly start going to the gym next month, just because, you know, that was your New Year's resolutions. What we should be looking out is why haven't you gone to the gym before, right? What stops you? And I get even as, as detailed as, are you setting your alarm and putting snooze? Like we got to go back to all of the data that has gotten in the way of any goal you have set for yourself to find the information about the roadblocks that get in your way. Because guess what? Those roadblocks are going to come up again. And, and there's actually science to this. I mean, this is, this is force field analysis. I mean, I used to teach this to my corporate clients in organizational design as well. So if you're trying to reach a goal or a strategy and you're putting all of this effort to pushing on this strategy, if you're not looking at the restraining forces, you can put four or five task force together and systems, processes, everything there is to push it. But if there's a block in the way, which could be the mindset of the people you're trying to impact or a system and process that's too hard for them to get, whatever it is, you can take one block out and it will have more inertia moving you forward than five more that you could push forward. So the blocks are the secret to making sustainable change. Oh, I love it. Restraining forces, 
force field analysis. Yes. I love these new words that I'm yeah. getting for this. this is yeah. amazing. I mean, that's so what true. it is, right? You get that. And so when people are making resolutions, they're not taking into account, as you said, they're restraining forces. All they're focusing on is, well, what's the goal? What's the goal? Well, you have to look at the restraining forces because right. history tells us that those are the things that are going to continue to come up. And like you said, it might be a mindset. It might be a, there's so many things it could be, but if you skip over all of that data, I mean, I can say with almost percent certainty that at some point you might be able to white knuckle it for a month right. or six right. weeks or something, but you will go back to your original identity, belief systems, and behaviors every single time. So instead, the plan is and I'm just going to shortcut a little bit because I know that we talked about this before. Yeah. The main theme that you find in in every you know almost every situation of of change for your business and in mine, if it's a major been going on for years and years and years, ends up being some sort of trauma, right? Yeah, yeah, and, I, and we talked about this as well. Big trauma, little trauma, perceived trauma, actual trauma. Um, it, it, those things, those those. Trauma lives in the body. Mm -hmm. right? Trauma, we know, um, will live in the body if it doesn't process all the way through and it will trigger the body to recreate the experience and behavior. This all happens unconsciously most of the time. For some people, it happens very consciously. Um, but it lives in the body and it will re-trigger us to follow that same neural pathway over and over again until we disrupt. And let's uh, let's break down neural pathway because I want to use really basic language. A neural pathway yeah. means it's it's literally like, okay, I walk my dogs in the woods behind my neighborhood every single day and yeah. they stopped mowing the path to get to the to the main trail. Exactly. So I went and created by walking two dogs on this trail every day my own little trail that gets me back to the woods. Yeah. The same thing happens in your brain. It's a neuro pathway. When you do the same things over Correct. and over again, it's a trail that you mindlessly follow in your brain, just like yeah. the trail that gets me to the woods. Right. I love, I love that you said that I'm over here, you know, my hands in the air going, yes. Cause that's the exact um, example I give every Everybody, if you walk down, if you walk through the grass one time, sure, the grass, you know, the grass will fall down a little bit, but you keep walking through the grass and you're going to create a new pathway. Yeah. And that pathway is going to be the path of least resistance to where you want to go. You just said they stopped mowing it. You needed a path of least resistance. So you keep going down that path. And sooner or later, you've created a pretty easy path to walk down. Mm -hmm. And that gets you from point A to point B. Well, that's the same thing that happens with our brain. We just want to get there uh, as efficiently and as easily as possible. So we create this neural pathway. But neuroplasticity, which I'm sure some of your listeners have heard about, if I'm going to break it down really simply, it just means that we have the ability to create new pathways in the brain. Such a cool, um, uh, it was such a cool finding when this came to be that we thought, oh, wow, you really can create new neural pathways in the brain. It takes some focus and attention, but you can absolutely do it. Um, and then it creates, it, it weakens. So for instance, if you stopped walking on that path, 
wouldn't the brush grow? Eventually the brush would grow over again and the path would go away. Same thing with the grass. The grass would grow back and it would go away. If you, if you walked on a new path, you would create a new path of least resistance and the other path would not be so strong. Um, and it, and it would, and it would go away. So that's what we can do with neuroplasticity is create a new path that if we, go down it with repetition, now we can create something new and actually become what feels like someone new entirely to us by creating a new neural pathway. So let's go back and break this down again. So there's something, a block that's in our way that prevents us from getting the results that we want. And so if it is weight loss, if this is the, if this is the year, it's not about the gym membership. It's not about the latest diet that's being advertised or the pill. Right. It's about sitting in your quiet moment and asking yourself, what's in my way? What's my block? And it could have been something that perceived or real that has created some sort of a bad experience in your life, in your brain that could be preventing you from getting the life you want, whether it's weight loss or something else. I mean, this applies to anything that you want in your life for this next day right? Um, So if there's something that you want to remove, you've got to create a new path and not keep going up against the one that you run into in the path that you have currently. Is that where we're at? Okay. Yeah. There's a couple more steps to it, but you know, uh, because the, the difficult part is that for most people, they're not conscious of the thing that's in their way. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that when trauma lives in the body, it is usually a non-conscious trauma that's triggering something that triggers some type of emotion or behavior. Oh, first it triggers a thought, then an emotion, then a behavior. And it's usually Let's non-conscious. Let's slow down on that one. It, it triggers a thought, yeah. which evokes an emotion. Correct. And then behavior is how we respond to the emotion. Yes. Behavior is 100% of the time perceived or preceded by a thought. Always. Thought produces feeling, produces behavior. Every time. Every time. The problem is that a lot of people, sometimes people have trouble recognizing the thought or they recognize the thought. They don't know where it came from, right? They don't know. Well, I don't know why I had that thought. It actually, if you can recognize a thought, doesn't matter where it came from because then you can track thought, feeling, behavior, and you can say, okay, great. This originated from my thought. I can, I can always choose to shift the thought. That's a, that is when it, so you're talking about the neural pathways. If you can recognize the thought, you always have the ability then to shift that thought to something else. And there's a three-step process in that. And I can go through it really quickly. Um, Before you, you do that, I want yeah. that process. Give, let's do yeah. an example from maybe one of your clients of um, thought, feeling, behavior that, that was leading them to the wrong results. Do you have an example? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll try and think of one I just did this week. Um, let's see. Uh, so actually, um, and, and I can give you an example of this person wasn't recognizing their thoughts, right? Um, but the feeling was anxiousness. And then the behavior was um, frantic eating. I talked to my clients about four different types of eating, but one of her types was frantic eating. And so it was just this sort of, I think we've all done it. It's kind of, you know, you're eating quickly and almost frantically. Like I, I'm trying to feel something and, and it's not enough. And I'm going to try something else. I'm going to try something else. I'm going to try something else. It feels very frantic. She knew that she was feeling anxious, knew that she was eating frantically, but she couldn't quite get to, I don't, I don't know what the thought was that triggered my anxiety, right? 
And so we started to chain it back. When did it start to happen? Um, and for her, um, it was, it, it, for her, by the time we asked a series of questions, she had had her son in the cart with her at Target and um, he wasn't eating. And, you know, so she's trying to feed him. He's not eating. He hadn't eaten that morning. She's starting to, without even knowing it until we chained it back, starting to tell herself, he's not eating. I'm not a good mom. I can't get my son to eat. What can I do? How can I get him to eat? He's not eating. Here comes the anxiety. She didn't even know she was thinking that. Right. It doesn't it didn't happen consciously for her. It happened in the background. It's that little bitch voice. Yeah. Right? And she didn't she wasn't even aware of it until we went back and chained it back and asked a series of questions that got to, oh, that spurred the anxiety, that spurred the feeling, that spurred the franticness, and here she is eating. Well, if you can't get to that original thought, sometimes it takes some chaining it back and sometimes it takes some exploration and you know, this is why really we work with coaches and whatever. A coach or someone to have these conversations. I mean, it really sometimes, yeah. 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 If you're having trouble understanding where the original thought came from, um, you know, what I can say with 100% certainty is I've never had a feeling that hasn't been preceded by a thought. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that it works. Our thoughts produce feelings. So we can always chain it back. Sometimes it takes some exploration. But then she was able to, once you recognize the thought, now her neural pathway is right. Kid won't eat. I'm a bad mom. Bad mom equals anxiety. Anxiety. That's neural pathway. Path of least resistance. Path of least resistance. Well, if we can catch the thought, if we can replace the thought, and and, and honestly, well, I don't even start with replacing. I start with recognizing and um, you know, almost being kind. I see you. I hear you. Thought. There you are. Huh. That's why I say when the little bitch in your head starts to say things, you just put her in the passenger seat with a seatbelt and a snack. So it's, it is kind. I mean, we're always going to have thoughts that are with us like that. So learning how to just, I see you, I'm not going to let you drive. Yep. But that's right. But you need to just sit quietly. And that's actually the first step in the process is the separation. Mm -hmm. You could say, I am not this thought, right? So you separate yourself from it. Oh, hello thought. I am not that thought. Right. You separate from it. You can same thing with you. I am not that little bitch. I'm going to put her aside. She's going to sit in the classroom. She's right here. It's cool. You're here. Hi, I see you. Uh, But I am not her. I have separated her. I've taken her out of me and put her somewhere else. Right. Mm -hmm. That is the first step in the process of creating a different neural pathway, because then you have the choice of, oh, if I have separated myself from this pathway, well, which which pathway am I going to go down? Right. I love that. So first is recognize it. Separate yourself. From it. Okay. What's the next step? I am not the thought. And then you want to, um, the next step is choosing again. And I think this is, this is, um, I I think this is where a lot of people get hung up because when they are, when they are, when they are caught in their thought, they say, this is, this is my thought. I can't think something else. Right. So that is why the key of separating from the thought is it's just crucial. You have to recognize the thought and then separate because once you have separate, then you can choose again. And the choosing again, this is really important is that you don't fight the thought. So for instance, in the, in the case of my client, I, what, what she is not saying is, um, 
okay, don't think that, don't think that. I don't want to think that. I want to think something else. Um, I I want to think I'm a good mom. I want, what she is saying is I choose not to, Mm -hmm. right? So instead of engaging with the thought, instead of engaging with even an opportunity to, because when say I can't have, or um, I'm not allowed, you're automatically engaging with the opposite. Mm-hmm. So you have to put, you have to be strong in your stance and say, I am not right. Or I don't, for instance, I'll make this simplified because I feel like I've complicated it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Think about being a smoker or a non-smoker, right? So if you are somebody who I happen to be a non-smoker, if somebody offers me a cigarette, I don't engage with any thought. I don't go, huh? I'm really sure if I want to have a cigarette. Let me think about that. I I can't have a cigarette. I I say I don't smoke. Right? I don't smoke. I am not a smoker. And and I am not engaging with any type of habit voice in that thought voice. It's just I don't smoke. So for someone who is trying to change their habits, the the really important part of that is to say I don't do that or I am not that person. You first separate uh-huh. And then you say, I am not that person. And then it's repetition over and over again. Because you're creating that new path. You're creating that neural pathway. So once you engage with the fight and say, oh, I can't have that, or I'm not allowed to, or I don't want that today, you're engaging with the opposite side of it. But if you, if you tell somebody, I'm not a smoker, they're not going to come back at you with another cigarette, right? Because you have said, I don't do that. That's not part of who I am. Yeah, I, I can remember when my kids were little reading a parenting book that was along these lines where things as, as simple as instead of saying, don't slam the door, because that the child immediately thinks slam the door is all they heard. Right. They shut the do- door gently. You know, right. talk about what you want, not yes. what you don't want. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That. And so for this, there was a, there's somebody else that came to my mind, you know, she was a, um, she was a snacker and she would at four o'clock every day, she would snack on whatever was there, goldfish, you know, whatever. And, you know, turns out after doing some work together, there was some, there was some trauma in there and it triggered snacking, whatever, but we were able to forget that habit just by recognizing habit voice, um, deflecting it, separating from it. Oh, that is my habit voice. That is not me saying I'm not a snacker, not I won't snack today. I can't snack today. I shouldn't snack today. I don't want today. I'm not a snacker, period. Sends a very strong message to the subconscious that says that's not true. And then repetition. And for her, it very quickly resolved itself. And, you know, you have these moments of can't be that simple, can it? Like I, you know, this has to be super complex and we've got to go over it for years in therapy. Don't we know you can create a new neural pathway just with new messaging very quickly. If you're using the right language and you're engaging the subconscious in the most appropriate way. So is that step three? So number one is separate from the thought. Number two is choose again. Don't a new thought. Don't fight it, but say, I'm right. I don't smoke instead of I'm trying not to smoke. What's Correct. Yep. Yep. Number three is repetition. Oh, yeah. Repetition. Gotcha. Well, sorry, I should, I should expand. Um, um, I should expand. 
shifting the focus before repetition is really important. So not only did she engage, separate from the thought and then not engage with the thought and say, I am not a snacker. She actively moved her attention to something else, actively moving your attention in that moment, right? So if you are in front of the goldfish and you said, I'm not a snacker, then you go, you leave, you walk away, Mm -hmm. actively shift your attention, which is going to get you away from the beginning of that neural pathway and take you somewhere entirely different. And then you repeat the process. So I would say step three really is the shift of attention. And then repetition is kind of like, you know, doing it over and over again. I can think of so many places that this applies above mm-hmm. and beyond the the health and, and the weight and all the things. It's just, it is so powerful. I, I think of all the times that I've done leadership coaching and, you know, strategy and execution. I mean, really, it's all about people's behaviors. If yeah. you see all the way from, you know, if I want to change the, the corporate strategy of this organization, that's not about a document. That's about getting however many employees that you have choosing behaviors that are going to right. give you what you Oh, want. yeah. So yeah. This, this whole thing applies to anything that you want in your life. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know, I'm good. I'm pretty healthy. I got, got my stuff yeah. worked out. Yeah. Um, great. Yeah, you. And anything else that you're dreaming about for the decade that you yeah. want in your life, yeah. same process will be helpful. Absolutely. And, and, I mean, I agree with you. I think my passion happens to be helping people with food and body image stuff. But when I start talking to people like you and people who do this in other areas of their life, the the concepts, the the um, psychology behind it is the same. The way that human beings um, interact, the way that the human beings change, the way that we change the brain applies to business relationships, romantic relationships, relationship with your body, relationship to fit. I mean, anything you can think of, like you're saying, um, all of these things apply. It, it, it first starts with identifying the ways that you are getting in your own way. And that kind of circles us back to the original start of this conversation, which was, you know, if we just set a New Year's resolution to lose 50 pounds, there's so much data and information in there that we are missing, that we're setting ourselves up for that failure because the losing the 50 pounds is not really the point. It never was. It is what are the behaviors? Who are you being? What is your identity? What are you telling yourself? I mean, all these layers that get in the way of you losing 50 pounds. You and I had said it earlier, if somebody had a gun to your head, you would know what to eat and how to exercise. That's never what it's about, right? Like, we all know, you know, more veggies and you know what I sure there's macronutrient. It doesn't matter. You know what to eat. You know, you need to move your body. It's never been about that. It's about all of the patterns of behavior and how you relate to who you are as an overweight person or, you know, whoever you identify, that's what's getting in your way. And that is, um, those are the things that are generalizable to the public in any issue that you're having. So if we want to wrap this up with some practical, tactical next steps, and if the person who logged on is saying, oh, I was really hoping I was going to get that great New Year's <laughs> resolution weight loss strategy. We've really, you've given that today. And it is Step one is to sit down and think about who do you want to be and not be focusing yeah. on who you who you are and don't want to be. 
right? So that's step one is, is, is visualizing, which I love visualization. Another one of those things where it sounds so simple and airy fairy, but for crying out loud, it works. I mean, elite athletes do it for a reason. It's why they're elite athletes, right? Absolutely. It's envision your life the way that you want to live and feel and, and what do you look like? What are you doing? Who are you with? Um, Step one. And, and then well, I shouldn't say step one because we've already done one, two, three steps, but just <laughs> starting point, right? Starting point, yes. And yeah. then when you recognize what are the blocks or the barriers that are keeping you from living that life you've just envisioned, that's where you jump into the three steps. First one is acknowledge the thought, then separate from it, choose again something different that's what you do want, and Rinse, lather, repeat, right? Like the shampoo yeah. bottle says, just keep following those three steps over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would say for the person who's saying, okay, well, what if that is on my New Year's resolution list, what's a better way to do that? Exactly that, starting from the vision. And then pick one, of, like you said, pick one of the barriers. You said it's a restraining force. Absolutely. Pick one of the barriers that you know is getting in the way of you being where you want to be with your weight or your body image or insert something else here if that's not what you struggle with. Pick one of those barriers and then you break that down with this. Is it a habit that you need to break? That three-step process is, is the process for breaking a habit. If it's a habit that you need to create, right, mm-hmm. then your process needs to be, what do I need to put into my life to make sure that this thing that's important to me gets done? right? So if it's, I want to include more vegetables or I want to get to the gym, but I always hit my snooze button or whatever, you need to look at, is it a habit you want to break or is it a habit you want to create? And then you create the structure for implementing that habit in your life. By way of quick example, you know, I want to go to the gym three days a week, but I hit my snooze button and then I never get out of bed. Great. What is it that you need to do to break that habit and focus on that thing. So now you are not looking at, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. You are looking at the actual behavior changes that you need to make in order to get to that larger vision. And man, you'll go so much further if you're looking at um, breaking it down to those details versus taking it as this big, I'm going to lose 50 pound chunk. I mean, that just, it just doesn't do you any good. So it could be, I'm going to go to bed earlier. Or one of the things I used to do, I'm a runner and at a running group that we did 5 a.m. runs. God help me. What was I thinking? Um, (laughs) I would sleep in my running clothes with my running shoes beside my bed. So then if I chose not to go, I felt like a jerk for not just slipping on my shoes and going to run with my friends. (laughs) Absolutely. And also having friends that were waiting on me for the run was huge. And so that's an example. of Absolutely. Okay. Exactly. And everything you just said right there is a, is one more link in the chain that got you out of that bed. Mm -hmm. But if you had just, if you were a person who, who pushed your snooze button and you said, I just want to run five miles a day and you ignored the fact that, well, your, your alarm didn't go off soon enough. You didn't have a group of people who were waiting for you. Oh, I could sleep in my clothes. Those are all the little behaviors that added up to you being able to meet your goal. Right. And those are the things that people ignore, they ignore the little behaviors and they just focus on the goal. Right. So like you're saying, get up earlier, 
Maybe you're an afternoon runner. Maybe you need a running buddy. Maybe you hate running and it's yoga you should be doing. I don't know what it is, but you have to examine your barriers in order to get the information you need to create the habit, right? Yeah. And we don't have time to go into it today, but fundamentally starts with your food more than it does your exercise anyway, right? So that's a whole whole other episode. (laughs) So so step one for January might be to just completely clean out your pantry and start over. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. And only start the fridge. Yeah. New decade. New bed. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. I just want to keep talking and talking and talking. So will you come back and do another episode for us? Yeah. Many. It's so much fun. I love conversations like this where we're just hanging out, you and me. Um, So yeah, anytime I'll come back. I would love it. Awesome. Tell everyone how they can stay connected to you after today. Yeah. So I'm at Eliza Kingsford on Facebook and Instagram mostly. Um, And ElizaKingsford.com is my website some freebies on there. There's some groups you can join if you just want to hang out all for free. Um, just, and you know what, I'll be honest, people still email me a lot and just ask questions. I wrote a book, Brain Powered Weight Loss, and I get emails all the time, people saying, um, hey, can you answer this? Can you answer that? I love answering people. I'm, and it's me. I answer you. I talk to you. I'll answer your questions. I just want to engage. So reach out. I'll get back to you. So buy the book first, and then when you have questions about what's in the book, you they can email you. There you go. I'll put that link in the show notes. Okay, I have one question that I ask all of our guests now in moving into this new decade. So this Ooh. is new for, for 2020 uh, and the rest of the decade. What does the little bitch in your head say most frequently to you? What it was, and I know you're an expert at getting past it. But if you go back to the the most common one, what is it? Oh, Rebecca, hey, you're putting me on the spot. All right, all right, I'll go. I'll go there. I'll bite. We I'll, all, I'll we all have it. We all have it. Um, I, can, I can start with mine first, if that's better. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I got mine. I got plenty. Okay, mine. Mine is always um, that when I walk away from a conversation, people say, "Who does she think she is?" That's my most yeah. common one. Yeah, there you go. And mine is a different version of yours, okay. which is a different version of imposter syndrome. Which is, who are you to impart this type of information to anybody? And do you have anything of value to say? Right? Yeah. Um, and then I just put her in that little seat next to me and give her a snack. I don't feed her because, you know, it's weird. I'm just kidding. But yeah, no, I put her aside and I, and it's amazing that we both have the same one because as I'm sitting next to you at this event in New York city and going, you're so incredible. Right. Um, exactly. Like you're incredible and you're amazing and all these things. And, and yet we still have that little bitch inside the head And that's why I'm going to start asking every single guest so people get the realization that there's not a single person on this planet that doesn't have some version of that. No, I totally agree. Yeah. Okay. You're awesome. We'll have you back again. You're awesome. Thank you. Can't wait to be back. Thanks. I'm not coming down. Isn't she amazing? I am so glad that our paths crossed. And I know that you, this isn't the last time that you're going to hear from Eliza on the podcast. And she and I may just be cooking up some bigger plans together. Who knows? We're dreaming the decade together. It looks like we may have some interesting things coming your way. Thanks so much for being here. And if you haven't done it yet, go download the PDF, Dream the Decade, 
from my website, wethrive.live or from the link in the show notes or quite frankly, any place on social media because I've been putting it out everywhere every day because I think it's so, so important that we climb up out of the day-to-day chaos and not just incrementally improve our lives, but look way over across the landscape and say, dream bigger, go higher. What's possible? Thanks so much. Make it a great decade. I'm not coming down. I never liked it on the ground. I'm not coming down.